GM everyone, welcome to DeFi Beater. This is the podcast where we dive deep into various games and build tools across blockchain Hey Peter, uh, thanks for your time. Can you please tell us the story behind Blockchain Space and Peter Inc? Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, thank you also for doing research in our space and being an advocate uh, that we badly, badly need right now. Um, uh, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, a little bit about my myself, right? So um, how did I end up in this space and, and doing what we're doing right now? So actually, um, the more I tell this story, the more kind of like it seems like stars kind of aligned in, in uh, kind of my professional career uh, to kind of lead up to this moment. So, um, so I'm actually based in the Philippines today, uh, but previously I used to live in Switzerland and uh, for about four years, and I used to work for a ESG risk data provider there. Um, actually, they, they positioned themselves in ESG business intelligence. So ESG standing for environmental, social and governance. Uh, and basically what they did uh, all day long was they monitored uh, controversial activities of companies around the world uh, by aggregating public sources and then putting it into a central database and creating a risk index, which they would sell feeds back to uh, financial uh, institutions. So like either financial data providers, like you know, Reuters or Bloomberg, uh, or um, selling it direct to the bank so that banks could actually vet companies that they onboarded um, uh, before they actually started um, issuing you know, bank accounts to them. So um, that that's kind of what I actually brought me into the Philippines. Um, I actually helped to expand the, the research arm um, into the Philippines, uh, set up an, uh, a research team here, um, expanded that, ran it for a couple of years. Um, then whilst on the ground in the Philippines, kind of saw developing market opportunities, um, which uh, are kind of like one of these, uh, the foreigner's dream is basically to try and fix all developing market um, uh, challenges because you think it's so easy because you've seen it, ha uh, how it can work in, in the first world, right? And then uh, you compare it to kind of um, uh, how it is actually in a developing market and realize uh you know uh you you, you think okay that uh, e-commerce should be one hour delivery or 24 hours delivery or um you know uh you should be able to just um you know uh, have any kind of service at your convenience right and uh then you realize actually developing market problems are very uh specific to the actual market itself and to the culture and and you know uh, the landscape and the politics and so on I, um, so whilst I was in the Philippines, basically, um, I was working in the fintech and e-commerce space for about six years. Um, I was actually uh, running a blockchain education hub at one stage, and that's kind of where the, the word blockchain space and the brand came from, because literally uh, blockchain space was actually a space, a physical space uh, in a co-working site where we used to host um, blockchain education um, kind of seminars, meetups and workshops. Um, that's actually where we got to meet um, Axie. So uh, Gabby Dizon from YGG actually introduced Axie to us uh, back in 2018. And um, you know, I've been uh, basically following the journey of Axie um, since then. 
right? Um, it wasn't until kind of uh, mid last year that um, basically uh, my focus kind of like went 100% into Axie and into Play to Earn. Um, and that was kind of because the Philippines really was the hotbed of the explosive growth of uh, Play to Earn, right? Um, and it, there was this basically this light bulb moment that happened, which was um, just kind of seeing everyone kind of jump into this game um, without thinking about the consequences of how to, you know, uh, download a MetaMask wallet or even transact, you know, using a crypto exchange. You know, these guys were simply just playing uh, a game on a mobile phone, accumulating tokens. And then when they got to the end of the month, they realized, oh, wait a minute, I need to actually research how to uh, set up a wallet so I can actually get these tokens out and um, cash them out into local currency. Now that moment basically was uh, the moment that signaled to me, you know, um, this is kind of what we've been doing uh, for the last three years, right? So um, since 2018, running this blockchain education hub, um, we basically were always trying to advocate for people to uh, adopt this new technology, right? And then suddenly what we realized is that maybe we're going about, we went about it all the wrong way, you know, instead of like telling people about the technology and, you know, um, forcing them to use wallets, forcing them to experiment with DeFi, right? Um, maybe the right way was actually give them something fun to play with. Don't tell them about the crypto element, but then uh, once they have those tokens that actually represent real value in your wallet, you know, then, then teach them how to get that out. Right. And so it was a lot more compelling to do it that way than, you know, the, the opposite way around. And so you've seen kind of Axie go from, I think it was around 10,000 players um, when we started up our, our own Axie scholarship, right, uh, last year in 2020. Yeah, so um, I think there was around only 10,000 players and now we're looking at over 3 million players. So it's just absolutely bonkers. Like the, the growth has been absolutely insane. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, after realizing basically that, you know, that play to earn and uh, Axie in particular was really going to be the door that opened up, you know, crypto to uh, non-crypto uh, natives or non-technical people, right? Then that was the point of no return for us. And basically I said, okay, we're going to go 100% into kind of supporting this Axie scholarship space. So uh, I would just uh, add one last part, which is basically, you know, having advocated crypto education for so long, you know, one frustration for me was that, you know, non-technical people had very limited ways of participating uh, with crypto um, up until basically 2020. Right. So it wasn't until suddenly NFTs became mainstream and that, uh, you know, play to earn basically became mainstream and this whole, you know, Axie scholarship business model um, became known. Right. Um, that was that was probably the turning point where you start to see um, a lot of like regular people, you know, from traditional businesses like suddenly jumping into crypto because they understood the business model for, for the first time ever, right? Um, it was very simple. Like you could you could have basically multiple game accounts and then loan them to your friends and at the end of the month do a commission split of what was being earned at the end of the month, 
um, not that dissimilar to any other business model. The only difficulty was basically um, that it was NFT based and you didn't have to learn about the wallets, right? And so um, you see a lot of people basically, um, you know, they don't think about the complexity of the technical side and that, you know, some parts of crypto are still kind of very nascent, right? And um, they just came in because the game was going viral, right? And they saw that, you know, you could pretty much at the time, I think, uh, over the last year, most Axie scholarships had an ROI of anywhere between like four to seven months, right? And uh, any business with an ROI of four to seven months is ridiculously compelling, right? And so there are a lot of opportunistic people that just kind of jumped into this space. Um, and, you know, now what we're realizing is, yeah, okay, it, maybe it was more technical than we expected. There's a lot of that traditional infrastructure that we're used to, you know, in, in the IT worlds that would normally support traditional businesses is not there yet. When did you decide to quit your job and go full time? And where did you see opportunity? Why would you build something similar to blockchain space and not a plain vanilla guild? Uh, for me, I had already been consulting and working in the crypto space for a number of years already because my background was already in fintech and I already was based here in the Philippines. So I had uh, several opportunities to work with local exchanges and also with consensus uh, on kind of enterprise solutions as well. So that was very, very lucky, I guess, um, because those, those were basically the opportunities on the ground. Um, so I, I already knew I was going to be full-time crypto since 2018, pretty much. But like I said, like uh, there were very, very few ways to be involved, right? And uh, we were pretty much always pitching the same kind of like smart contract solutions, um, you know, for quite a number of years until, uh, you know, NFTs kind of like exploded and 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 play to earn finally got, you know, it's it's spotlight. Um, when did we know that uh, blockchain space was going to take off? Well, so uh, because I basically came from the tech space, right, um, I was able to build some automation around um, kind of guild automation right, or guild, um, guild tooling. And um, so we kind of like started building stuff for our own guild first. And we, we on purpose, we called the, our guild Axie Academy. And so uh, let it be known that it was the first Axie Academy back then. That was actually back in September 2020. Um, and lots of Axie Academies have sprouted up since, um, which is fantastic. I mean, like, uh, it's good as long as they're not fraudulent and not bad actors, right? Um, but um, so the idea was that uh, on purpose we called it an Axie Academy because we knew that, again, like, uh, I've just been a very big advocate of education in the space. And I saw this opportunity to basically uh, teach others um, how to get into the space as well. And so we knew that we kind of wanted to uh, kind of scale education, right? Um, and and teach more people about this business, right? So that's, that's why it was an academy as opposed to uh, an, just a regular guild name. Um, and then the reason why we kind of like went into tooling and, and uh, kind of data aggregation is um, so some of our tooling for Axie Academy itself um, started going kind of kind of viral. Like um, it, it, I guess like I, it, it sounds 
I guess at the time it felt viral, but I think it was more organic. Like I think the space was just growing at an exponential rate and that people were naturally looking for tooling basically to uh, be able to, uh, you know, um, automate some of their processes and um, help help their businesses. So um, when we started to get a lot of users of our tooling, right, uh, which is namely kind of uh, the community management bot that we have in Discord, um, this uh, basically um, allowed us to start kind of benchmarking uh, guild, guild uh, kind of performance against one another. And that's something that I realized was missing in the industry is that you're in a nascent space. No one knows kind of like how everyone else is performing. Um, you know, uh, you know, people uh, kind of follow uh, other people blindly and they kind of see like, I, I don't know, someone like YGG or Merit Circle or Avocado Guilds or Unix Guilds, you know, they, they may see them like, you know, investing into a lot of NFT assets, right? Um, or they see them um, kind of like uh, dedicating a lot of their treasury into investments, right? And uh, they might be thinking, oh, we need to do exactly the same thing, you know? Um, and I think what you highlighted uh, already in your research report is that, you know, you see kind of like one type of uh, guild you know, uh, basically as their business model, uh, investing into kind of early stage um, seed rounds or um, early stage um, kind of like pre, pre-sale kind of, um, or yeah, pre-public kind of um, uh, rounds so that they could yeah, be part of like uh, the, the, the growth, I guess, of, the, of this play to earn space, right? And they could earn quite a bit of that. Um, but it was incorrect for smaller players, like smaller guilds, to follow in the same suit, right? Because firstly, they, they might not be able to get access to those private rounds. And secondly, uh, they might ha not have the capital to be able to deploy that they need, right? And, um, and so I think that you, you're looking at kind of two different guilds at least. Okay, I want to ask some questions about Academy product. Is this education for guilds and scholars? Like the way I see from the website, it's more like a handbook for um, guilds on how to start a guild for like upcoming managers or guilds. Do you have like content here, video content, written content? How are you planning to expand this this area? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, I, I think you pretty much got it spot on. So. Uh, the way I see basically the the industry expanding initially, right, is um, there will just be more guilds uh, coming up in the space. Uh, why do I see that? Because uh, we can already see from our own data points that the average guild size is not that large. Like there might be around 300 plus people in the uh, in the community in their Discord server, and they might only be uh, managing around like nine to ten accounts um which is like pretty small um i consider these guilds to be quite uh individualistic and quite personal and like you know people basically want to run this as like their own micro business right these are people with probably like five to five to fifteen thousand dollars of like disposable cash right um that are you know in these either in developing markets could be also in developed markets you know, um, looking to basically uh, invest into the space and have their own micro business, you know, with cash flow at the end of the month. Um, so, um, yeah, 
that's why we basically focus on this growth because we see that you know these micro it's micro entrepreneurs that are basically leading the growth of well uh, of the guild space but i mean i i think if you could wildly say that you could even say even larger is that they might even be uh, driving the growth of play to earn in general right and um it's basically yeah these people with that disposable cash right that we need to educate and so that's where we, we as Axie Academy, right? Um, and Axie Academy is just one of our academies that focuses on education. So we're gonna set up academies for every single game that we basically build tooling around, right? And um, so Axie is just one um, one game and an Axie scholarship is just one business model, right? Um, I think even when land play comes out in Axie, that's gonna be another separate business model. And you may not consider that a scholarship model considering it might not be like a learning system and it might be more of a rental system like on on you know based on traditional kind of land um so you know the idea is that with axi academy we want to be able to teach uh the people coming into the space um how to run a successful business without getting themselves burned right and so there's long there's a lot of education to be done there right um not only in like local languages but also you know uh Yep, in video tutorials, um, in guides. Uh, the only the only difficulty here is that you know things in this space they change so quickly, right? That um, you know a lot of these uh, guides and tutorials have to be updated very very quickly, and so that's one of our challenges um, that we face. Do you also train and educate scholars as well on how they can play, how they can improve their scores? Yeah, so I mean we run our own guild as well um so we we there's there's no way to know the business without running your own guild um especially considering games like axie they change the mechanics so quickly right so whatever applies today may not apply in a month from now right so if you don't have your finger on the pulse i think you you're gonna lose your kind of like your awareness of uh what's happening in the game and how to help people right um uh, very quickly and so um, yeah we run our own guilds um, that's kind of how we started um, initially right um, but we kind of like are moving into a different business model so um, I don't believe really in the asset heavy model right I think um, the more assets that you hold in these play to own games uh, the more you burden yourself um, and uh, the I guess the less agile you become right so now you can compare like a guild with about a thousand accounts uh, versus a guild with 10 accounts, right? So a guild with a thousand accounts, um, if Axie were to make a game change uh, today and uh, it affected one Axie out of every account and you needed to swap that out, that becomes a very costly exercise. Let's say that Axie costs $200 uh, per an Axie. And if you have a thousand accounts, that's a $200,000 bill you have to pay just because actually changed one game mechanic right now if you compare that to kind of the micro guilds where you only have 10 accounts right much much easier like you might only need to make you know a two thousand um, dollar uh, investment basically to change one axie across 10 accounts so much easier uh, in terms of capital um, and then also in terms of like management in terms of like swapping out axes Right. So the way I see it is that, you know, 
uh, the, the more accounts you have, the more cumbersome it becomes and the less agile you are. Uh, the, the smaller you are, the more agile you are, uh, the more flexible you are. And I think that's kind of uh, from what I've kind of observed through Axie. And, and of course, we have to observe from other games as well. But um, right now in Axie, you, you really need to be flexible. Okay. I want to go back to what you said about the average guild size. You said the average guild size is small. It's about nine to ten scholars, and they have about three hundred Discord members. Um, how do you see the future of the guilds landscape? Do you think there will be many, many small guilds of ten to fifty scholars, or do you think there will be dominant guilds who are managing, uh, who are also somehow partnering with these smaller guilds as well? Exactly going back to that point where about the thousand account guilds. I mean, there are, you know, guilds that want to be that large, right? And um, I see basically uh, part of the kind of like growth strategy for these people is, you know, acquire, partner, or, you know, uh, merge together with, you know, the smaller micro guilds. And um, that's kind of one thing that we're helping people with today. Um, so we're, we're basically trying to uh, graph out or like uh, create a directory right now, like a global guild directory, um, so that all these micro guilds can now be identified by the larger guilds. So these larger guilds, I call them macro guilds. Um, I don't know if anyone else does, but um, I guess we're that early in the space that we can call it whatever we want. But um, yeah, these these macro guilds, so the, the likes of YGG, Merit Circle, you know, Unix, Avocado guilds, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right, these, um, these macro guilds, they probably don't want to be too asset heavy um, going forward, right? Um, especially if, uh, if game changes are going to be a very frequent thing um, for all games, you know, across uh, different platforms. Because um, as soon as, you know, there's a game change, you know, you need to swap out your assets. Then, uh, if there's no efficient way to swap out your assets, then which there currently isn't, but I know it's being built, right? Um, then for now, uh, these larger guilds are going to suffer because you're going to be making huge investments today, and and suddenly your ROI or you know your revenue is going to like cut by half overnight, um, and that that's going to be uh, like yeah, that's going to be a, bit, a very strong impact. But yeah, I see basically these micro guilds are just proliferating right now. Um, I think they're proliferating as much as, um, you know, the games are proliferating. So like everyone's starting to learn about uh, play to earn right now or play and earn. Right? And, um, you know, uh, people see not only the business side of this, but they see the social side of it as well. Right. They see the goodwill, uh, the ability to actually give people job opportunities, especially at a time like now during COVID, where um, a lot of jobs are being lost and people have no way to kind of generate income whilst they're sitting at home, uh, you know, being quarantined. You know, and this is uh, a perfect solution for, you know, what you're ultimately doing is connecting people who are uh, have have capital right uh, to deploy. Um, and they are basically extending it to the people that do not have uh, that capital um, to be able to kind of like get get something started up or even uh, find a job at this time. 
Why would Macro Guilds acquire small guilds to grow? Why wouldn't they just buy NFTs themselves? And assuming a small guild with 10 to you know 30 scholars. Yeah, so I mean, you you can actually kind of witness it already happening right now. So you look at someone like YGG uh, and their model, right? So yes, they have all the assets and then they basically take on um, a lot of different, um, I guess, uh, a lot of different managers basically to manage out those assets. Um, that's one way to do it, right? And it's kind of already in line with the idea that you're going to have multiple managers managing, you know, different uh, inventories for you, right? But I think that the the key part that's missing there is really the ownership aspect, right? So if you look at these micro guilds, these micro entrepreneurs, they literally own their own assets, right? They own their own business. They're super motivated. They want to you know, they want to bring back, you know, $1,000 um, passive income per month, and they want to be able to scale that up, right? So uh, I think as a micro entrepreneur, there, there is this ability, uh, well, there is this 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 sense of kind of like, um, you know, uh, you want to do the best to your ability. Whereas um, if you have like a, micro, uh, like a macro guild lo loading out, um, Kind of assets to other people to manage you know the these managers basically have no ownership of these assets right so i think the motivation level is going to be very different if a micro guilds is acquired what incentive does that micro guilds lead have to continue in the same pace and motivation oh yeah i mean that's a good question i mean usually financial rewards it, it really depends i guess right um on on the actual guild themselves right so uh every guild is different so i mean i've met some guilds today uh for instance they their metrics are mm, are basically how many people do they put in school Right, so how many people are playing the game that actually use the earnings to pay, play, uh, sorry, pay for uh, schooling uh, to to actually go to their uh, college level, you know, um, uh, was it studies, right? Um, and that's that's basically their KPI, right? I think there is a very very strong kind of drive behind the kind of the play to earn industry where there is uh, a lot of social goodwill, right? And um, depending on those KPIs, like um, a lot of those micro guilds, so the ones when, uh, I mean, I, I would still call, uh, you know, guilds of like 20 to 50 people um, still micro guilds as well, right? And um, I know that these people, they wanna scale right now because they wanna have a larger impact, right? So, you know, they, they basically wake up every day knowing that the business that they're running you know, is has this like, you know, ethical element and that it puts how many people into school every single day, right? And that's, um, I think that's not to be underestimated. One, one area where large guilds can partner with smaller guilds can be localization or geography. Um, and we're seeing this with, I think YGG just partnered with um, a, a guild in India. Um, you know, it's it's just more difficult, I guess, or not difficult, but it's um, less incentivizing for YGG to say hire someone and ask them to build a local um, community or operations in India rather than an independent team building their own um, base guild in India and then 
partnering with YGG. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I would totally agree. So I think, you know, just before we started this, we were talking about Turkey as well. And, um, you know, I also didn't realize that, you know, Turkey had a similar demographic to the Philippines in terms of uh, uh, average monthly earnings, right? Um, and that they could even potentially be kind of like uh, Axie players or even uh, guilds in Turkey itself. You know, like, um, so what I was mentioning to you earlier is, you know, the Turkish language is a completely different alphabet. Uh, well, in, in terms of, like, there's absolutely nothing I can read in the, in Turkish language. Um, and, you know, uh, as I mentioned, like, uh, since we launched our company internationally, uh, we built quite a large, uh, Turkish following and, um, you know, you really have to now rely on people on the ground, right. To represent you and also to ensure that, you know, things are being translated correctly. Um, yeah, I think there's no way that we would even understand kind of the culture at this stage um, in Turkey. And then I think that's something that we're kind of learning every single day is like, uh, you know, um, yeah, having someone key that understands kind of the local culture, understands demographics and uh, can communicate well is going to be really key to being in a, in a uh, in a foreign country, which you don't, un which maybe we don't understand very well. What is the core product right now? And I'm guessing it's Discord bot. And what features are you planning to add? And what is the end goal? Yep. So actually, we have four products, and we're not very good at marketing them. Um, usually, because we we just kind of push stuff out and then hope that people actually just can discover our good work. Uh, so the, the first product that we pushed out was the Discord bot. Um, there is a reason why all these uh, tools exist. Uh, they, they basically are very complementary to each other. So the Discord bot basically is for community management, where, whereby we've seen about 90% of communities kind of like setting up uh, within Discord natively. We know there are other platforms out there and um, the, that uh, other communities are also setting up in different platforms as well but i think for now you know discord stills remains kind of like the most uh popular place to set up uh, a guild right so the discord bot is really for controlling those really large numbers of people that you have inside a inside a server now it, it could either be it can cater to different types of audiences so the first is you might have applicants um people that want to apply for your guild program Right. You might have multiple programs in the future, like you will have an Axie scholarship, but you also have another scholarship model for, um, you know, the sandbox or, you know, for Illuvium, right? And, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to have to interact uh, individually with all of them. You want to automate as much of that process as possible. Then you, when you have the people onboarded into your community, um, the people that are actually playing with your accounts, you need to be able to provide them with some level of transparency, right? These people, and actually it's a, a very important point is actually um, uh, understanding how people look at token balances uh, for play to own games. So something I used to always think is that when, when people used our bots, they were actually looking at the stats and comparing themselves against other people. Um, but then, when you actually think about it and actually having kind of surveyed quite a few uh, gamers and scholars now uh, actually realize that actually they they really care about the, the the bank balance basically more than anything else 
And now I call it a bank balance. Why? Because literally your Web3 wallet has just become the equivalent of a bank account, right? Um, what's sitting there is basically what they also consider savings for the future, right? And, um, you know, let's say there's $900 in there. They will know that, you know, just like your own bank balance, I'm sure you will always know how much is in your bank accounts, right? And so that's why uh, people like to check like their balances of their Web3 wallet really uh, frequently, right? Is to understand like how much is there and how much can I take out at the end of the month, right? So um, that that's really important is to be able to provide that kind of transparency and that kind of service, right? And then uh, the next audience would be kind of your guild manager. Now the, the person that actually manages all those people within the scholarship program, um, now, there's only a certain amount, amount of stuff that you can actually automate. I mean, there's there's a, there's quite a bit of stuff, but um, like uh, within Discord itself, it gets a little bit messy when you start to do kind of like uh, a lot of management stuff within Discord itself, right? So um, we're, we're, the, what we decided to do, and I think a lot of people have also done, is we basically took out the, the guild managers um, side of this. Uh, took it out of Discord and put it into a web-based UI, right? So we actually have, uh, uh, so in private alpha right now, we have a web-based UI, which um, allows web uh, guild managers to basically manage their, their scholars um, from the web, right? Now, the interesting part is that the Discord bot and the dashboard speak to each other, right? They're quite seamless. So if you're onboarded onto the Discord bot, you're onboarded onto our dashboard. Likewise, if you want the dashboard to be able to communicate to people in Discord, it can do that too, right? So it's quite a, you know, a 360 seamless kind of uh, integration, right? And that's, uh, I think that's very important considering that, you know, you're using two different platforms, but the community is only in one place, right? Um, then the next part is really, so we, we have data feeds, right? So, um, you know, the way that we're basically building everything is, you know, um, I don't think there is a winner takes all in this situa situation. You know, there we're just so nascent. Uh, the space is so early on right now that um, I, I feel like, you know, we need to empower right now uh, and give as much data to other people. Uh, why do I feel this? Because I've already seen it, right? So I've seen it from Axie themselves. So Axie opens up some of their APIs, uh, makes some data available. A lot of people basically build up their businesses, including our own, right? We build it up around these open data sources that uh, actually opened up to us, right? And then what happened is, you know, you have the smartest um, product developers come together and uh, try to build out, you know, the uh, tools that will help the community, right? Um, I think there's going to be this, this part of uh, Web3 is just never going to stop. Um, I think it's going to be a very important part of play to earn in general that, you know, um, you know, games have to open up part of their data sources um, so that other people can build on top of it. Right. And so we want to do the, exactly the same thing. Now we, our part is very, very clear and very easy, right? Uh, we are not trying to, uh, you know, own all of that data at all. Right. What we're trying to do is we're trying to filter and categorize the data so that uh, insights can be generated off that data really easily. Right. So the idea is that you, if you have data kind of like uh, in South America, 
right? In South America, uh, you want to know exactly how guilds are performing, um, and you want to know kind of what products or services should I build for the South American audience, right? So you need very good data just for South America alone, right? Um, and then, you know, uh, you might have someone trying to build a product or service that's you know, applicable to multiple different geographies. So you want to do South America, Asia, um, as well as let's say Turkey, right? Um, now you need to be able to have a look at basically the data on a granular level um, to be able to see whether, you know, um, your product or services is going to be applicable um, for all three different regions at the same time, you know, and um, that's, that's basically the aim of the game right now is, you know, uh, get, get as much data out there as possible so that the, the community does what they do best. And that's basically innovate, right? So um, the data feed is a really important part. Um, uh, we, we're constantly iterating on that, uh, but we have two versions of that uh, data feed out already and then anyone can build off it right now today. So um, that, that's another one of our products. And then the last one, which kind of inadvertently became a product, but it's actually just more something that's openly referenceable, is basically our uh, guild owners dashboard. And I call it a guild owners dashboard because it's um, it's it was specifically designed to help guild owners. Uh, and again, because our focus is really on guild owners uh, at this stage, right? So um, yeah, we're trying to provide more benchmarking. Uh, for guild owners um, around the world so that they understand how they fit in into the picture and how they're performing. And we're just going to keep making that thing better and better and better. Right? And again, we're not going to be charging for any of this, um, not until you know we see like a good way that we can complement uh, you know, the guilds uh, and offer them a service without uh, you know, necessarily being predatory or like, uh, you know, detracting any kind of value. Uh, again, another very long sentence for you. <laughs> no, that's, that's very helpful. The, the dashboard, the web-based dashboard is basically an extension of the Discord board, if I'm not, uh, if I understand correctly. And I guess it's a bit like a CRM, like a pipeline management for scholars, right? Yeah, so you can either compare it to a CRM or an ERP, you know, um, so it's like almost enterprise resource planning as well. It's a bit of everything, um, but it's more specific to what guild managers need. So again, like, you know, there will come a time and I don't know how soon, I mean, you, let's see how regulators pick up on this, but like at some stage, people actually do have to file taxes. Like uh, people have already, I, I don't know if you've seen it in the Philippines, but you know, the uh, Bureau of Internal Revenue have already publicly stated that, you know, Axie scholars um, have to declare earnings, right? And have to pay taxes on their earnings, right? Um, love it or hate it. I mean, like, you know, uh, the fact is that, yeah, I mean, we are earning from these businesses and eventually you will have to declare. And right now it's, you know, all these transactions that are happening, uh, they are a little bit tricky to kind of track and you want to have it all in kind of one place, right? So that's, um, that's kind of what we're helping with right now is to have all those transactions in a very easy, digestible manner. Uh, but not only this, so like not just on the accounting side, but more, you know, report generation again. Like, um, again, like I just feel like the space is so new 
And again, like, um, you know, I've, I've been working in the blockchain education space for so many years that I've, I've seen people be deterred from, you know, being active in this space. Um, and um, I want to be able to support them as much as possible, right, to, um, to not be deterred and not get discouraged, right? And, and one way to do that is really to provide, you know, as much information and, and as many insights as possible, you know, to help these people. Uh, ideally, you know, it's, it's more like the wag me situation where, you know, the way we will all make it together, right? So um, we should really help one another out. Is this kind of CRM ERP tool can also be used for pipeline management for deals and NFTs? Yeah, so good question. So there's a few things that we have in the pipeline. Um, not all of it I can disclose, but I mean, you know, um, once you start aggregating a lot of data across different guilds um, and with multiple dashboards, right, you can basically start uh showing kind of like uh who the best asset like if you couldn't consider like you know guilds being asset managers you can see who are the best asset managers in different parts of the world right um that's really useful for we, we discussed it earlier right those macro guilds being able to identify micro guilds um someone needs to be able to provide uh that kind of benchmarking i think we are pretty good at it right um i think we're we're going to help out there for sure Right. Uh, we can also facilitate transactions down the line. So say people want to be able to invest. Uh, so between a macro guild and a micro guild, we can facilitate basically those investments. Right. Uh, when you have like a network of, uh, of guilds in your database as well, like if you have, you know, such comprehensive coverage, you know, you're also becoming very useful to new games that are coming onto the space as well. So let's say a game that's you know developed in the US and is very strong in marketing in the US market may not have any coverage in Asia and have any idea who the play to earn gamers are in Southeast Asia, for instance. Right. And that's also becomes very useful uh, to be able to connect guilds to those games as well. Now, um, I know uh, uh, there are other takes on this as well, like people are trying to uh, create launch pads for games or for guilds, right, within those kind of networks as well. I think those are all very interesting models as well. Um, I don't know how long it will last for. Like, um, we're generally, uh, most of the stuff that we're working on is very long term, right? I think we're just literally at the cusp of it. But like, launch pads is definitely a very interesting uh, business to look into as well. Because obviously, uh, you know, once you've got a, a network of like let's say 3,900 guilds, right? Uh, you know, uh, and you can connect those guilds to the games. Then the game, the games basically can have a very successful launch by getting their stakeholders involved from day one. How many guilds are actively using your products right now? Um, so from our database, you can pretty much transparently see it. So we have around 3,800 or 3,900 um, guilds that are using our our tools. And they're mostly using the Discord bot or, or the other tools as well? Yeah, so it's it's pretty much all the Discord bot for now. Which of the Mac guilds are, are using uh, the Discord bots? Uh, the macro guilds. So there might be a couple, like um, I think we are working with, uh, so Unix is using it, uh, YGG is using, using it. 
uh, uh, YGG SEA as well. Um, I think we're kind of like not so heavy on the macro guild side, really. Um, to be honest, like I'd say the long tail of the industry is really the micro guilds, and so that's where the majority of usage is coming from. And that is your priority target user base for, for your future growth? Not just the most opportunity, but also the, the place where people need the most help. So, you know, macro guilds don't really need help, right? I mean, these guys are so well funded now, they're going to build out all toolkits for themselves, right? Um, they, they can all easily acquire tools. I, I guess one thing they can't do so well is be agnostic, right, in the space. Um, I think that's difficult because not all guilds want to work with other guilds. But, you know, if you can position yourself uh, well in an agnostic space, which we're trying to do, right, you know, then um, having insights is going to be key right now. Because right now, I think there's a lot of presumptions uh, in the industry. So let's say um, what's working well right now is uh, investing in SAFs, right? So what happens when SAFs start running out, right? Or too many people are already getting into those SAF rounds, right? And, the, and that doesn't become a sustainable model anymore for revenue driven, right? So um, what happens after that, right? You actually, the, the fundamental core part of your business is, you know, managing your assets well, right? Um, so you need insights to be able to do that. And so um, that's basically what we're going to focus on on the long term. Got it. Yeah, it, it makes absolute sense. I mean, I guess these like macro larger guilds they also might have the resources to build stuff in-house, um, mm -hmm. which might not be as good as your product, but they still have the um, resources you know, to, to build something that functions, but probably the smaller guys don't have the, um, the resources and they might be growing faster uh, in aggregate than, than the larger guilds, uh, which is again, just an assumption, but I, I do see where, where you're Also, another thing is like, you know, the way I see tools is that there is no like uh, exclusivity in tool usage, right? So you, for Discord bots in particular, right? Most Discord servers have at least like five bots installed into their Discord server, right? And that's absolutely fine. I mean, people should have that, right? You use the tools that you need basically to run your business or to run your server, right? Run your community and whatever can add value. Right, so um, the idea is that I, I don't think there should be anything that's competing, right? Um, you just run what you need, basically. And um, I, I don't, again, I don't think there's particularly one person that's gonna probably make it all, right? It, it'll be very hard because look, judging from the speed of change in play to earn, right? No one provider, I think, can provide tools for all play to earn games and for all guilds. It's just not, I don't think it's humanly possible unless you are like bigger than Microsoft, bigger than, you know, Apple, or, like even them, I don't think they could even keep up actually, to be honest. Interesting. And uh, why do you think that's the reason? I just think of how constantly the, the space is evolving. You know, I think the business models, for instance, um, let's say, you know, Alluvium comes out. Right, the business model in Alluvium will be very different to the business model in Axie. Um, I already know some games are already building in scholarship models, right? So those may not even need tools at all, right? Or they may only need like uh, other tools, like things like 
So let's say uh, the game itself has a web-based UI where you can track kind of like your whole guild already, then you might just need some of that information to trickle down into Discord. Now that's that's one way to do it is that, okay, so someone provides, you know, the, the Discord extension tool, which basically provides a bit more visibility. Because you have to remember that uh, your players, again, they, they want to have visibility. They want to be engaged in your community. They want to see how well um, everyone's performing, right? Um, so simply, right, um, I think types of business models that are coming out, especially the, you know, NFT innovation, right? How are NFT, like yield-bearing NFTs, you know, evolving? There's no way that one tool provider is going to be able to cover it all. Okay. And what do you think about competition? <laughs> so honestly, right now, I don't look at competition. I mean, I think we're just way too early. Uh, I know that that might be easy way out answer, but um, I honestly think that there is so much to be done in this space that uh, people are going to, we all have to try and fail uh, quite a few times before we finally get it. Right. Uh, right now, uh, I just want to help people try and fail faster and, you know, in larger numbers. Right. So I know that kind of sounds weird, but, uh, you know, if we can provide better feeds, right, and not just for Axie, but for other games as well, right, um, if we can provide those feeds for people to build products off, right, that innovation is just going to be so much faster, right. Um, and you know uh, the, the the maturity of that space until we actually get to the the right model uh, will happen. That's I, I think it would just happen faster, right? So um, right now I I think there are many people kind of like now doing similar stuff, right? I think everyone has a different approach to this, and I think excellent. You know we should all help each other and see. You know this this space is so small. Like play to earn itself is. Uh, barely covering the kind of people that we want it to cover around the world. I mean, the metaverse narrative is just getting started as well, right? And play to earn is going to be fully embedded in the metaverse um, expansion, right? So um, if we consider this, you know, we are all we all have a very very big and wide road ahead of us, right? Um, I think there's there's just going to be so many different avenues. So it would be silly to try and compete over the same niches. Blockchain space being asset light is actually an advantage because you can be flexible whenever you say actually change a, a rule in the game, um, you won't be affected by that. Some of the guilds, the asset heavy guilds are also building similar kind of products that are that are trying to target like small independent managers. Um, and some of the names that I can uh, think of are like Guildfire or Salad. Do, do you think you being, you being asset light is an advantage? think so for now definitely i mean our own asset management is kind of like a, a bit of a you know it's it it it's a necessary part of the understanding of the tool space right but it's shouldn't I, I feel like it shouldn't become a burden right so um you know you don't want to become too asset heavy uh because otherwise you know you, your focus Right, will uh, basically change your business model will change as well, right? Um, a lot of our revenues not just being driven by uh, just managing assets, but rather 
you know, will be from future products and services that we roll out. Right. So, um, you know, again, like I, I see my future looks like a multi dashboard world, right? I, I mean, there are already dashboards out there, right? There's Axie management, there's Axie watch. Those are widely popular already in the space, right? And they were hundred percent free uh, for the community to use. Um, I think that's fantastic. I think that's basically what the space kind of needs uh, right now. Um, I think there's going to be more of those uh, in the future, right? Um, you have to build dashboards, not just for Axie as well, Like you could dominate maybe just for Axie, but then uh, what will happen to, you know, the other 100 games that are coming out in the next year, right? So there is just so much room. Our challenge right now is, you know, finding the best way to communicate with all the guild owners, right? So, you know, what what is the best way? Is it, you know, messaging on Discord or is it sending out emails or is it doing polls on Twitter, you know, or, you know, um, uh, you know, setting up like go a governance uh, where based on token, token allegations, right, um, you could have stronger votes, right? Um, is that the best way, right? Uh, Ideally, you know, whatever best way is basically uh, going to be automated and really efficient, right? Um, the guilds basically will ultimately decide a lot of our future, right? Um, it's so difficult to say um, which game is going to be the next one. I mean, I, I see a few promising ones. You know, we won't build any dashboards for those games until the guilds are actually really playing those games. So they have, it has to be qualified first. Got it, and I think that's more efficient and effective for you as well, for your time and efforts. What's next for blockchain space? Uh, we have a very clear goal right now. So I mean, basically by March of 2022, uh, we want to be able to cover 20,000 guilds in in the world. Right. So all roads basically point towards this. Um, in the meantime, we have a couple of different product releases that we are already playing with. Right, so um, we are looking into things like automated credit risk assessment, uh, automated uh, disbursements, uh, and loaning systems. Right, um, those those are all kind of uh, being actively tested at the moment. Right, um, and we basically have the data uh, to be able to do this. Right, so um, yeah, they, these are kind of like very exciting times where I think. Even in a couple of months from now, uh, by the time we do reach 20,000 guilds, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the business models could be changing very, very quickly again. And again, uh, it really depends on, let's see, uh, the outlook of the crypto markets. So I'm, I'm actually very interested to see um, if we do turn bearish um, and, you know, uh, Bitcoin decides to dump and uh, the whole crypto market starts to turn down. How many of these guild owners are going to stick around, right? Because um, I've been there during the bear market, right? From 2018, 2019, we never stopped um, doing what we were doing, right? And um, Axie was there the whole time as well. So I know Axie is not going to stop anything. I know the core Axie community are not going to stop. I do think that a lot of people will disappear. Right, uh, the speculators, the people that were not in it for the tech or for the vision, right? And it'll be interesting to see kind of um, what happens if that does happen, right? Um, so, you know, crypto is always very unpredictable and I, I, I hate to, to make predictions beyond like even three to six months.
Yeah, those are very interesting thoughts. Any last words for, for the audience? Uh, yeah, I think just if there are any builders out there, um, we would absolutely love to have uh, your support and um, to work together. You know, uh, we have a number of data feeds out there uh, that uh, we can help to integrate into uh, your products or services. Um, so please check out our Gitbook. Um, so uh, that's Blockchain Spaces Gitbook. Um, and then also check out our website. You'll see a ton of uh, data there uh, that can be used. And um, yeah, and please get in touch. Just uh, the, the communication lines are always open. Great. Thanks for your time, Peter. Have a nice day. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.